This morning, I am a uh, title of this message. We're, we're in a series called Follow Me. And uh, I, it's funny, I, I had the whole message. God kind of gave me this message, and I'm like, well, what do I title this thing? So I was talking to Christy last night, and I'm like, okay, I got the title. I'm going to call it the, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And Christy's like, oh my gosh. Like, not that titles matter, but she's like, yeah, don't do that. So it's just called Knowing God. <laughs> so that's the simple title. But here's the verse for it. And this is, this is what I want us to begin to get is this Romans 11.33 says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. This is the God that we serve, and there's something about beginning to know this Father, beginning to understand who this God is. And so we're going to do what I would call a deep dive, but here's my caveat to that is I feel like we're really only going to scratch the surface because there's so much we don't know. I don't have a full understanding of this. You don't have a full understanding of this. None of us do. But what we begin to do is we begin to press in. And we begin to gain a greater understanding as we receive the revelation from the Holy Spirit. And so that's my heart this morning. Uh, I'm going to start with a quick story of just kind of my more recent past here. uh, Because I believe this ties in uh, to this message as... What I'm going to talk about this morning is actually foundational uh, to me. Uh, It shifted everything in my life. As I begin to get this revelation and this knowledge and this understanding of this, to the depth that I could get it, and it's still coming, uh, but there was something where I got this thing and I said, wow, this is crazy and this is not the way I've run my life for the last 40 years. And at that point in time, things began to shift. And what I thought was really a good life and where we were going and what we were doing and how we were doing things was my own wisdom and my own understanding. And what I realized was when I laid that down and began to walk in his ways, which are higher than my ways, his thoughts are not my thoughts, it changed everything in my life. And it's continuing to change everything. And you guys know it's part of my story where, uh, where I laid down my career that I had and, and came back and God called me into this thing. And it's funny because you kind of go, well, I did my part. That was my laying down and I'm good and now we're, now we're going and I don't have to lay anything else down. It is a continual dying to self. And I, and I have found that to be very painful at times. Uh, but it's good. It's so good. Because the Father is so good and His love He is a relentless father for us. He loves us so much. And his ways are not only higher than our ways, but his ways are good. And when we follow his ways, man, it is a good life. It may be difficult at times, but it's good. There's a, I don't know if you know, uh, Aslan, if you guys seen or heard the Narnia stories, and there's this, there's this part where the, the beavers are describing Aslan, and they're like, and I think it's Lucy or someone's saying, are you, well, is he, uh, is he dangerous? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's dangerous, but he's good. <laughs> and that's our God. Yeah, he's dangerous, he's scary, but he is good. He is a good father. So just a side note. But um, 
<laughs> so everything shifted in my life a few years back. And, and uh, it, I feel like this is, this is what God was showing me, that there's, there's a lot of people that are here now, and we're going through life, and there's a frustration right now in your life. There's things where you're saying, I just, I feel like there's a greater purpose for what I'm supposed to live. And I don't know what it is, but I'm living out my life, and this is, I'm in this place right now, and, and it's crazy. It's a crazy life that we live. And, and you say, is this it? Is this, all, is this all there is to life? And so there's something stirring on the inside of you going, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life. There's got to be a greater purpose. I want to live a life that's exciting, that's, that's like where, there, where I go on the journey. And this is, this is what I believe it's going to take, is it actually takes us beginning to lay down our ways and allow God to operate in his ways. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, when I was in Houston, I had this job. I, I took on this job, amazing opportunity with this company. I was praying to Christy. I was actually here in Colorado before I went to Houston. And, and I was like, man, if I could only work for this company, this is the dream job. This, is, this would be it for me. And I used to pray into it. And finally, God opened up the opportunity. And I had the, I had the opportunity to work with this company. And so I went down to Houston to run the operations down there. And I was like, this is it. This is what I was looking for. And I realized this was not it. <laughs> and it was almost like I stepped into a trap. And I went, oh, no. Like, what I thought was this amazing thing was not what I thought it was. And, and it, this began the shift in my life where I was like, okay, God, I'm beginning to realize that, that your ways are actually higher than my ways, that my ways are not your ways. And so in that shift... God was so gracious, so kind, and as I was down there, I had the opportunity to move to another company down there that was amazing, amazing company. I became their vice president over the planning and development, and, and, uh, and that was good, and that turned out to be my dream job. I was like, this is it, and it was so good, and then God said, now I want you to lay it down. <laughs> And I think the only reason I could do that is because of what I had gone through, realizing that his ways are higher than my ways. That if I, if I make it my plans and I push through with my plans, eventually they're going to fail. And so he showed me this plan and he, he showed me these, this vision where he said, this is the plan you're on. This is the path that you're on right now. And if you continue on that path, it will be good. You will live a blessed life. You will have everything that you need. I am going to provide for you. But then he showed me this other plan. And he said, but this is my very best. This is what I have for you. And if you walk down this path, I will walk with you every step of the way. But it will be difficult. You will go through trials. You will go through tribulations. You will go through struggles. You will go through things that you will not experience over here, but this is my very best for you. And in that moment, <laughs> I shouldn't say in that moment, in about four months, I took to shift <laughs> my heart. I finally said, okay, God, I'm going to go your way. And in that moment, though, in that moment, there was such a release and that it was so freeing because I no longer operated in a capacity where I felt like I had to maintain it. It was now God driving. 
And now it was like, okay, God, it is all up to you. Whatever you want to do, we're going to go down that path. If it gets bumpy, that's okay, because I'm trusting in you. I'm not trusting in the circumstances anymore. My hope is in you. When we begin to gain an understanding of the Father, we begin to trust the Father. It's only through the understanding that we get the trust. And so I want to talk to you. I'm going to go back here, and I want to hit on this uh, in Matthew 13. This is a parable that Jesus uh, tells, first of all, the multitude, and then he tells the disciples. He actually explains it to the disciples. These are one of, this is one of the few parables that he actually explains in detail to the disciples. And, and I wish he would have done it with all of them because it would have made this a lot easier. Uh, but, um, but this one was really good. So you have the, the sower and the seed, and he's talking about there's basically four different, uh, there's four different seeds that are, that are put out. And the first one is put on the path. And it says that uh, they heard the word and they didn't understand it. This is those that really just reject the word of God. Uh, the second one is it fell on rocky places. And the rocky places, this is where they, they received it with joy. So they received this word and they said, yeah, this is good. But then what happened is trouble and persecution came because of the word and, and quickly they fell away. And what the problem was there is it was, a, it was rocky soil. There was no foundation. And it's what happens a lot of times in the church. I, we see this. I see this all the time. I see it where people come to church. They get the word on Sunday morning. They get it in their head, and then they're off. And there's, there's, no, there's no depth. There's no going deeper. There's no studying the word, meditating on the word, getting it into our heart. And so when the difficult times come, we have it up here but it's not rooted and grounded. And so what happens is something, something hits us and we just go flying because there's no rooting, there's no grounding in this. Then there's the third seed, which is among the thorns. And so this one actually does get grounded. It does get in, the, there is soil and it gets grounded in the soil. But then it says that the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth take it down. They choke it out. And so there's no fruit. So the actual, the seed produces the plant, but there's no fruit that comes up because of the deceitfulness of life, or the, I'm sorry, the, the cares of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And I think for men especially, this deceitfulness of wealth is a choker because we feel like we have to be the ones to support the family, to provide for the family. We're the ones that have to have the finances in place. We got to have it all figured out. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be in the family. We are supposed to work. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, but our place is not, we don't have to worry about providing for our family. What we do is we realize who our father is. And when we gain an understanding of the father, it changes everything. And we don't operate in worries and cares. We don't operate out of a place of, like from an orphan spirit, we operate from a, a place of a son, realizing that we have everything because we have a father that's called Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. The fourth seed is the one that is sown on good soil. And it says that the man who hears this word he understands it. He gains an understanding of it. And then it says, so this is the, now the roots go deep. And, and in order for the, when the seed goes in, what has to happen is the seed has to actually die. So this is that dying itself. It's so painful. 
But when we actually let it all go, when we let it go and we say, okay, God, it's yours, we die to self, this is when the plant begins to come up. This is when the tree begins to come up. This is what it talks about in Isaiah when it says that they will be oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. These are the ones when we, when we go down deep, when we get into that good soil, and when we come up, there is a fruit that is released in that that says it's 160, 30 times what was sown. Okay, so here we go. We're going to move quickly. Uh, actually, maybe there's a quote here from Leonard Ravenhill that I want to just, I think this kind of says where the church is in general. And this is not condemnation. This is not, I don't even believe this is our church, but this is the church in general, where the church is. And this is why I believe this message is so important today. But uh, this guy, Leonard Ravenhill, he was a well-known preacher, evangelist. Um, he died in 1994, but amazing man, uh, good friend of A.W. Tozer, and uh, just had a, he was a mentor to so many amazing people. He says this, people say the church today is growing and expanding. Yes, it is now 10 miles wide and about a quarter inch deep. <laughs> it kind of stings a little bit, but there is some truth, there, not some truth, there is truth to this statement. And that there is a lack of understanding of the word of God through the Holy Spirit in, this, in the church today. And it's beginning to choke out the church because there's no root system. There's no depth to it. So my heart for us is that we begin to build the root system, that we get the roots down deep because it's, it's from that that we become oaks of righteousness, that then we can go out as a planning of the Lord for his splendor, that we can go out and rebuild the ancient ruins, that we can have an impact on other people's lives. When we don't have that depth, when we don't have that root system in place, when we don't have that understanding of who the Father is, there's a lack of trust, and we operate out of a place of orphan rather than out of a place of sonship. Okay. So... Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to skip over some things here because there's some other things I really want to hit. Romans 11, 33 through 36. So we started with this, uh, and it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Then it says this, Who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And then it says something that is so key. For from him and through him and for him are all things. This is the wisdom that we need to begin to understand. It all comes from the Father. There is no wisdom outside of God. There is no understanding outside of God. There's only a false understanding and a false wisdom and a, and a false humility and a fear of man that comes in. These are all the things that choke out what the Father is trying to do in and through us. My question is, I wonder how much would change in our lives if every time we make a decision, we go back to the Father and we, we have this realization that all things are from Him, all things are through Him, and all things are for Him. If every decision we make was founded in that, would we make the same decisions that we're making right now in life? Just a question to ponder. So as we, 
as we search for this wisdom, and you can go through Proverbs. I'm not going to read. I, I, in the last uh, service, I read, I read through a few ch- uh, things in Proverbs. Actually, I'll read through one. There's this one, which is really good. Wisdom is supreme. This is Proverbs 4.7. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. And as you go through Proverbs, there's like 166 times where it talks about this wisdom or understanding or knowledge of God. It is so critical. But now we need to understand what is this wisdom. And so if you have your Bibles, open with me to 1 Corinthians 1. And I want to start in verse 18. This is really the crux of the message here. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So this foolishness, this is, I mean, this is when you look at what God did here, it's crazy. Like you would think when God, if God wants to come back and, and kind of get things back in place, like he's going to send his armies and he's going to like special forces, they're going to come in, they're going to take over and they're going to rule as he's going to rule as king. But what does he do? He sends this little tiny baby, comes into the world, grows up just kind of obscure to to everything around, and then at the age of 30, for three and a half years, begins a ministry of servanthood. And then dies on a cross. The worst death you could die. And becomes sin for us, becomes the curse. It, this is why it's foolishness. It says it's, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. It just does not make sense. Why would God do that? But it says, but to those being saved, it is the power of God. This is the same power as it talks about in Ephesians 1 that says the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, it says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise... The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. And then jump down to verse 27. I'm going to do the short version of this. And it says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world to despise things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You guys got all that? There's a lot in there, I know. I've been studying this for, well, like going into this for the past week. And so I feel like sometimes I just kind of go, blah. (laughs) And you guys have to pick it up in 45 minutes and like, and sort it all out in your head. So I apologize. Uh, What I would say is just come back into this and begin to to meditate on this stuff and pray through these things. Because there's a a lot of things in here that that I'm praying that we begin to get. Uh, But this next verse, verse 30 is kind of the the meat of the meat here. And it says, it is because of him, and that's God, because of him, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. So what's wisdom? There you go. It's a person. Sometimes we go, we're trying to attain this wisdom, we're trying to attain this understanding. It's actually a person. Jesus is the wisdom, which is crazy when you think about it. That's why it's, it's like we go, well, that's foolishness. 
Jesus is wisdom. But if you put that verse back up, it says that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. This is the revelation that God gave me. This is really cool. So you've got this, you've got the righteousness, you have the holiness, and you have the redemption. The righteousness is spirit. The holiness is soul. And the redemption is body. I'm going to explain this in just a second because you're all going like, what? So the righteousness is the past. The holiness is the present. And the redemption is the future. So now let me, let me explain this to you. So our righteousness is something that is positional. When we come into the kingdom, when we accept Jesus through faith, we accept him. We receive the grace of the Father because of the atonement of our sin, because of Jesus Christ who died on the cross. This brings us into a right standing. Righteousness, righteousness means right standing with God. So when you have that, you step into a place of righteousness. This is your spirit man that steps into this place of righteousness. You are now born of the spirit. Jesus actually was the first seed, and then now we are born of that seed. We are born of the Spirit. And so when you have this righteousness, you now stand, according to the Father, when he looks at you, he sees you as perfect. He sees you as sinless. No matter what you do, he doesn't see it. It's because of the blood that covers it. So there is no sin when you walk, when you stand in that place of righteousness, when you have righteousness. And this is a position we have. This is something that we have to understand. It is so critical that we understand this piece of it because we miss this, we miss the rest of it. This is our spirit. This is the piece that is righteous. There is righteousness that we have. We can't, we don't step out of it. We don't step in and out of it. We have it. But now over here is this place of holiness. And a lot of times it's funny. My dad, we were doing the sermon prep and, and uh, he's like, oh, don't use the word holiness. Like that is just like, that has such a bad meaning these days. Like, and, and I'm like, oh no, I'm using it. Like it's, it's coming in there. We're, we're going. And, uh, but we need to understand what holiness is. Holiness is actually operating in the freedom that God has for us. There is a religiosity and a legalism that has come in with this term holiness, and it's turned it into this bad word of like, man, holiness is I got to walk this fine line, and if I step off, God just goes bam and hits me on the head. That is not holiness. Holiness is actually understanding the love of the Father, having a, a belief and an understanding of who the Father is. And then through that, just like Jesus did, Jesus says in the end of John 14, he says that they will know that, that I love the Father by my obedience to the Father. And he's talking about his obedience unto death. He loved the Father so much that he was obedient. He said, not my will, but thy will, your will be done. If you can take this cup, take it. But I love you. I'm your son. And I am going to do what you call me to do out of an obedience and out of the joy set before me. There was a joy that was set before him as well to say, these are my people. But he did it out of a love, which then was an obedience. And this is the same thing when we talk about holiness. This is our, our soul that we're talking about. It's what we're walking in today. So 
Righteousness is past. Holiness is the present. It's what we walk out today. And what we're trying to do is it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's our, that's our soul. And we're trying to align this with this. Because this is who we are, but this is where we're living today. And a lot of times, especially new believers, like, you get saved. When I was, when I was four and a half, uh, different from 28 and a half, I wasn't strung out on drugs. I didn't have a commune. I wasn't in the commune. I was only four and a half. <laughs> Some of you may not get it, but... <laughs> So at four and a half, you'll hear this many times now, I received Jesus. Now at five and a half, I received him again, six and a half. Actually, I think I accepted him like a hundred times. And there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't accept Jesus over and over and over again. I'm sure those of you who received him at a young age or even at an older age, like, you're like, you hear the message again and you're like, oh yeah, maybe I'm not saved. Okay, I'm up, I'm in. <laughs> Like, I want it again. <laughs> and that's okay. That's our heart just like reaching out saying, yes, God, I'm for you. And, uh, and that's, our, that's actually, that's the holiness piece. That's this part that we're trying to get. Now, when I accepted him at four and a half, I stepped into a place of righteousness. My spirit man became alive unto Christ. And yes, I was righteous. I am righteous. I am in Christ. But... My understanding of it, my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions did not have a clue what that meant. And so I've been walking that out for 39 years now since I was saved. And I'm still walking it out. I'm still gaining this understanding. But I am righteous. There is nothing that I do that can take me out of this place of righteousness. I'm in the family no matter what. It's like I have... <laughs> We have three kids, and I'll tell you, there's some days where I'm like, no, they're not in the family. <laughs> but they are. They're in the family. And it doesn't matter what they do. It's blood. There are kids. There's times where, man, I, I don't think they are in the family. I'm like, what happened? Like, that's your child, not mine. <laughs> but they are in the family. And this is it. We are in a new bloodline that says, you are in the family, whether you like it or not, whether you understand it or not, you're in the family. But we're over here on the, the holiness part, the understanding of our mind, will, and emotions, and we're going, yeah, I'm not in the family. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And so we're not walking in that place of righteousness. It says walk out your righteousness. Well, you can't walk out your righteousness if you don't understand it. How do you understand it? You got to, this is where we dig into the word. We begin to get this understanding of who our father is what Jesus has done for us, and through the Holy Spirit begin to walk in the things that he's called us to walk. Holiness is a place of freedom. It talks about in Galatians, Galatians 1. Oh, Lord, where is it? <laughs> it says it is, yeah, Galatians 5, 1. I'm sorry, 5, 1. It says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom. It's not for condemnation. It's not for legalism. It's not for religiosity. It's for freedom. It says that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. If you think, if you realize, begin to realize like the God, the creator of the universe created each one of us, do you think he created us to live this life that's mundane or that's frustrating or that's like, ugh, I got to go through life just to get through life? No. That's us in our worldly ways trying to do things the way we think we need to do them when 
When, when we begin to step into this place of holiness, we begin to operate in the fullness of what he's called us to be. It's a great place to be. We have, we have friends that they have, they, they've adopted five children, and uh, they live in Houston. And he, they were telling me when they adopted one of their, their sons, he came into their family. And what he, would used to, he, what he used to do is at night, or in the, actually all the, all, at all times, he'd go downstairs and he'd fill his pockets with food. And he'd go up to his room. And then he'd, he'd hide the food in different places. And, you know, their mom's in there cleaning things and like, oh, dear Lord, what is that? You know, finding all this old rotten food up there. But what he was doing is he didn't understand his position as son. He was operating out of a lack of trust because he didn't understand who the father was. And so in his mind, he said, well, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to eat tomorrow so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this food now so that I know I have food. If he understood his position as son in that family, he wouldn't need to have, he wouldn't need to hoard the food and bring the food up to his room. This is the same thing that the Israelites did. It's amazing. Like, you know, when the Israelites were in the desert and, and God gives them the manna, and he says, I'm going to feed you guys. He fed them for 40 years. He gave them this manna. But when he started to give them this manna, he said, look, here's the, here's the deal. He says, you only collect enough for today. You don't eat enough for tomorrow because I'll provide it for tomorrow. And what do they do? What's the first thing they do? They do the same thing that this kid does. They start to put it in their pockets. They're like, well, I better take it for tomorrow because I don't know if God's going to provide it for tomorrow. It was a lack of understanding of the father which brought him into a lack of trust. And so then God helped him out because he just sent maggots. And so all the extra food, like then they couldn't eat it. So they finally figured it out and they began, they had to trust in him in this way, uh, but only because there was maggots in the food. If there wasn't maggots, they probably would have continued to collect the extra food. So he, he fixed that problem for him. Except on the Sabbath, that's when they collected for two days. And then there were no maggots in the food. Go figure. Uh, so... If you put that, there's a, there's a uh, graph I want to show you guys. I put this up a few weeks ago. We're going to wrap up here in just a minute. But this, is, this gives a, an understanding. Of what I did is I complicated it a little more because I didn't think it was complicated enough. Um, so, so now it's really complicated. So go figure that one out. But, uh, but here's the deal. You have the faith. When you have faith in Jesus, you step into this place of righteousness. Again, this is that place that does not change. It's done. It's a done deal. We have the grace of God, and we have salvation. But there's a whole other life that we live on this earth that we need to get our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions to align with our spirit. And this is that idea of wrong belief versus right belief. It's the fear of man, pride, man's wisdom, fear of God, humility, God's wisdom. By the way, fear of man is bad. Fear of women is good. So just so you know, men. <laughs> That's why they say fear of man. But, but I was going through this. I'm like, yeah, but my wife, yes, I fear her. That's OK. Fear of women, that's OK. Uh, fear of man is a bad thing. So this is this wrong belief. So we ha once we get this wrong belief, once we lose this understanding of who the Father is, what happens? We have a sin conscience. It, it brings us actually back into the law because we no, uh, no longer operate in grace, which is, which is where our righteousness comes in. When we truly understand this place of righteousness as sons in the family, we have a God 
that sent his son to get his family back. That's the whole story. He sent his son because he wanted his family. We're his family. So you have this wrong belief, and then what happens? This is what I see happens in the church so much, is people come, like, they get a misunderstanding of the Father, and then they begin to operate in sin. Sin can even be a lack of trust, a lack of understanding, and you begin to do things your way instead of the Lord's way. And we begin to operate in a disobedience. And then here's what happens. It's like Satan is so good at this. Uh, he's the one that actually brings these lies in. It's just like what happened in the Garden of Eden. You know, they, they, he pounds it in, he pounds it in, they finally eat of the apple, and then he goes, ha, gotcha. Now they begin to hide from the Father, right? This is what happens in this place of shame, is we begin to hide from the Father. We actually pull away from the Father. It's interesting. I think it's Bill Johnson, and I'll see if I can get this right. He says it this way. He says, um, how does he say it? I'm going to mess it up completely. But basically, if you had someone who was lying to you as much as the enemy lies to us, would you listen to him? So why do we listen to the enemy? Like, like why do we continue to listen to him when we, like, we know he's a liar? If you had a buddy who would lie to you all the time, eventually you'd be like, dude, you're out. Like, I am not listening to you anymore. All you do is lie. This is what we need to do with the enemies, give them that, that Heisman. We just got to give them that stiff arm and say, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to hear it anymore because everything you say is a lie. But once this happens, we step into this place of shame. We walk in shame when what God's saying is, no, come back. You already are in the family. You're here. This is the righteousness that you have. Walk in it. And then we begin to go into this place of orphan, and we miss out on the promises of God. But we can immediately jump back over to this place of sonship. As we, begin, as we understand who the Father is and the love of the Father for us, just like in the prodigal son, the, the son comes back. He doesn't even get it. And the father comes out, runs, puts his arms around him. Now, the son came in as he came back. He came back and said, I repent before heaven and before you. And in that place, he received the love of the Father. He stepped back into that place of sonship. There's a whole lot more on this side. But I mean, this place of rest is this Galatians 5.22, which is we actually get to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, which is amazing. This is we walk in that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Wouldn't it be cool just to walk in that all the time, that that's the fruit that's just released out of your life? Everywhere you go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's his, that's his desire. This is the freedom that we get to walk in. This is, this is true holiness. Holiness is an amazing thing, and the enemy has turned it into this religious thing, which is so horrible, and I want to get that thought out of our head and realize that when we walk in holiness, we're actually walking in the, the righteousness that we already have. We're walking in, in it now in our mind, our will, and our emotions, and now we get to walk out the things that God has called us to walk into, the good works that he has for us. The third thing is this redemption, and I'm not going to go into this much. I think Marcus might uh, next week go into this in a little greater depth, but this redemption is this understanding that at, at the end of the day, there is a joy and a hope in this that we will be with him and we will be like him. 
And our bodies, this is the full redemption. There's a redemption that happens when we accept Jesus, but the full redemption happens when we come face to face with Jesus. It's going to be good. And so this is, so to just to reiterate, you've got this, this, the past here. This is the, the righteousness, which is our spirit man, which we cannot get out of. We're in. We're in the family. Holiness, we're learning how to walk in the family. And it's a process. And we walk out this holiness. We walk out this place of holiness. Do we sin? Absolutely. Uh, we continue to sin. It says in uh, 1 John 1, 8, if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in us. We sin. Does the Father see the sin in our life? No. The, the enemy will bring the shame. Now, Paul goes on to explain. He goes, well, so, there's, so if, there's, if you don't see the sin, then do we just go on sinning? And this is, the, this is the sloppy agape type of message where it's like, well, you can just sin. You can do whatever you want. No, that leads to death. Like, that will lead to death. Don't do it. Not in your spirit, but in your soul. This will, it, you will not align your soul with your spirit, and you won't come into a place of freedom. You're going to come into a place of slavery to sin. Because it says... Those that, that obey sin become a slave to sin. That's what Paul says in Romans 6. So don't become a slave to sin. And then he says, become a slave to righteousness. Become a slave to freedom. Like, walk in that. Walk in the sonship. Galatians says it. He just says, don't be a slave to sin, but be a son. Be a son of God. Walk in that place of sonship. All right. <laughs> There's so much more, but I'll get you guys out of here. Let me, let me close with this. I want to just tell you guys a story, a uh, pretty cool story here. True story. Um, so this is a story of a young woman. She was raised in a Christian home, but as she grew up, she, she didn't have that understanding of the father's love and began to walk away from his ways. And... Uh, she was 18 years old at the time, and she had pushed away from God. She was dating this man that was about nine years older than her, and, and they were in this relationship that was well outside the will of God. Uh, they were partying, uh, sleeping around, just not living a life after God, based on a lack of understanding of the Father. It wasn't that she like, was purposely disobeying the Father, but disobedience comes out of lack of understanding. So she's over here doing this, operating in this capacity, not realizing that she is righteous, but walking in this place of shame. And what happens is she gets pregnant. Her parents are ministers, and her father's a, a pastor. And so she realizes at this point that she's going to have to tell her father. Not an easy thing to do. And so she goes to her father. And here's the thing is she knows what's going to happen here, that there's going to be this disappointment of the father, that there's going to be, he's going to be angry with her. I mean, which, of course, it makes sense, right? Here she is, 18 years old. She's been raised up in the family, 18 years old, and she's pregnant. Her dad's going to be so upset with her. She goes and she sits down with her dad and she says, Dad, I... I've got something horrible to tell you. 
about to break up, just break out in tears, quivering. And she, here's what she says. She says, Dad, there's this guy I've been dating, and he's about nine years older than me. She hasn't met him yet. Uh, but I'm pregnant with his child. The next words out of the father's mouth were this. I'm going to be a grandfather. Whew. This began to shift everything. He wasn't upset with her. He wasn't angry with her. He released the love of the father to her. And in that moment, she began to break down just in tears, realizing that her father still loved her so much. No matter what she had done, no matter how horrible the situation, and shame was broken in that moment. And here's what happened. Now, this was the beginning of a process that took place where this pregnant daughter rededicated her life to the father, rededicated her life to God, began to see, have an understanding of who the father was and began to walk in those ways. The boyfriend ended up giving his life to the father. They got married and they kept the baby. And this messed up daughter and boyfriend actually went on to become prominent leaders in ministry in Kansas City. Working with Mike Bickle at IHOP, doing things for the kingdom. God had a plan for their life and out of a love it released something in their hearts and they came into a greater understanding of who the Father was and it drew them to Him, not away. Here's what happened. That child that was born out of wedlock actually grew up and is following after the Lord and is actually close friends with, with Marcus and Rachel. There was a, another younger one that was born right after that that uh, became a... Uh, a worship leader in, in Kansas City at IHOP and is, is known around the world and, and doing worship. And their entire family is going after the things of the Father. All out of a single situation where the Father showed love and showed grace to the daughter and to the boyfriend. Here's the thing. We have a Father that loves us so much. He isn't there to pound on us. He isn't there to bring shame to us. He's there to bring us back into the family. This is the Father that we serve. This is the God that we serve. Romans 8, 38, 39 says this. This is the Passion Version, which I know you've heard it, so this kind of changes it up in your mind a little bit. I'm gonna, we're closing with this. Now, or so now, I live in the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that His love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, and dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken His love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could even be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. 
Will you stand? Let me just pray for you guys. First of all, I just want to say if, if there is anyone who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, don't walk out of here this morning. The Father is pursuing your heart, and I would love to just have a chance to talk to you and pray with you. If you want to just kind of rededicate things and just say, God, it's all you. From here on out, it's all you. I would encourage you. You can come up. We're going to have prayer teams up here. You can pray. Don't walk out of here unless you got to run to go do something. But just, just respond to the Father. There's something right now, I believe, that the Father's just, just wooing you to say, yes, I want to be your Father. I want you to begin to operate out of a place of holiness, which brings life, which brings freedom. So Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing in and each, in every single heart in this place. Lord, I thank you that you're revealing your truth to a greater measure. Lord, it says in Ephesians, Father, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I pray that this be released upon our hearts today, that we would understand who you are to a greater capacity, that we would know you and that our eyes would be enlightened, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for that positional righteousness that we have in our spirit. Lord, I thank you that we will begin to operate in a greater capacity as we walk out this place of righteousness in our mind, our will, and in our emotions. Lord, that we would align our souls with our spirit. And Lord, that we would look to the glory that we get to have with you, that you would receive the glory, but Lord, that our bodies would be transformed, that we would have that full redemption one day as we see you face to face. Father, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you that we get to be part of your family. And so, Father, I just release your love in this place. I release your love in the hearts of every person here. In the name of Jesus.